Welcome to the Sunday message from Hollyview Church in Boring, Oregon. We gather every Sunday morning as a worshiping community of Jesus followers on mission to see God glorified in our lives, our cities, and around the world. At Hollyview, the Bible serves as our foundation and guide for both life and ministry. It tells the story of God and the story of us. We believe the better we know the themes and flow of the biblical story, the better we will be able to find our little place in God's grand storyline. Thank you for joining us. And now here's this week's message from Hollyview Church. We continue our study in the book of Psalms. Pastor Joel Woodard is preaching on Psalm 115, the Song of Hallelujah. Uh, We're in a series in the Psalms. We've only got two more weeks after this, and we're actually taking chunks of songs these next uh, three weeks. But we're just going to be landing in a groups of of Psalms. This, This week we're in Psalm 115. 15, but we'll find ourselves in a group of songs called the Hallel songs. Hallel songs. Uh, Hallel is a Hebrew word. It means to praise. So these these are this is a group of songs that are recognized as uh, belonging together, the Hallel songs. And you probably even, uh, if you grew up in church, uh, learned some Hebrew grow, growing up uh, as well. Uh, these these songs were, were sung in the Jewish history, uh, especially during the Passover. So these, the Hallel songs were the songs at the Passover. And, and you might recognize um, the song that we sang in church uh, growing up. And if you, if you know it, finish it with me. Uh, so it goes, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Yeah. So hallelujah means praise ye the Lord. Not probably not ye is old English, but praise the Lord. Uh, and you were learning Hebrew even growing up in church. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise ye the Lord it, is what it means. And this was, this was the song, these, ha- these Hallel songs, these hallelujah songs were sung at Passover, which means these songs were sung the night Jesus was betrayed in the garden and then handed over to be crucified. These are the songs that Jesus sung that night. And it's even in your Bibles. If you turn your Bible to Matthew 26 and 30, let me just show you uh, where this, these Hallel songs even show up that you might not even have even seen. Matthew 26, 30, they've just celebrated the Lord's Supper, uh, which is the Passover, and it's, the, Jesus gives it new meaning by his death and resurrection. And, and it's Matthew 26, 30, it says, and after they had sung a hymn, have you ever noticed that? After they sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. That sung a hymn is actually the Hallel songs, songs 113 through 118. So if you write in your Bibles, when this is after they sung a hymn, write Psalm 113 to 118 down there. And then sometime go back and read the whole Hallel Psalms in light of Jesus' betrayal, his crucifixion, and his resurrection. And and you'll just see so many uh, things. This was a song sung at the Passover. A song in Jesus' mind, uh, and probably was even singing it as he's betrayed in the garden. Uh, this is a song that was stuck, the last song he heard on the radio. Uh, it just imagine with me, if you will, Jesus that night celebrating this Passover meal with his disciples. And when they get to the end of the meal and they start cleaning up a little bit and getting ready to leave, and Jesus starts singing. And singing these words that must have been so personal to him, so 
moving in him that I, I even wonder if the disciples who knew these songs too, if they even like got quieter. Have you ever done that in church when somebody's singing so beautifully and you just like sing quieter just to hear them sing? And I wonder if Jesus so, so poured out his heart in these Hallel songs that it must have been just so moving and touching. So, so I want to I ask you this morning, listen to Jesus as he sings this song, the song of Hallelujah. Some Psalm 115. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Why should the nation say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but do not speak. Eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but they can't hear. Noses, but they can't smell. They have hands, but do not feel. Feet, but do not walk. And they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. Oh, Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and shield. The Lord has remembered us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and the great. May the Lord give you increase, you and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he has given to the children of men. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor do any who go down into silence. But we, we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. And the church responds, praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray one more time. Lord, as we, as we often come to poetry and songs and wisdom literature in the Hebrew Bible, Lord, it's uh, hard to get our minds around sometimes. It's hard to see clearly. So we're asking that you uh, do a work by your spirit this morning, that you would uh, open our eyes, that you'd, you'd enliven our thinking, Lord, that we could see what you would have for us uh, this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, before we dive into this text, I actually want to share an illustration, hopefully that will help uh, set up this, this message. Um, if you've ever come to uh, our house, and I know many of you have, you walk in the entrance, and a year ago you would have seen, well, you still see, there's an angled wall uh, that sits there that divides our kitchen from our, our living room. And we used to have a, a, a mirror there, a mirror that we actually brought back from Slovenia, uh, antique mirror. And, and so it sat on that angled wall. Uh, and as you walked in, you could look in that angled mirror and you could actually see all the way down the hallway uh, to the right. To, to, if there was somebody down the hallway coming out of their bedroom, you could actually see it when you first walked in uh, to our, our house. It's a little vulnerable. But you could also step out of the bedroom and look down that and see who was at uh, 
at the front door. An angled mirror are there to reveal uh, things that you may not otherwise be able to, to see. Uh, we've since taken down that angled mirror uh, because it was a little bit vulnerable. I don't know, we haven't put anything in its place. Uh, but angled mirrors reveal things that you otherwise maybe not be able to, uh, to see. Um, but the opposite is actually also true. Uh, angled mirrors are often used in, by magicians. Uh, I don't know if you've noted that, and hopefully I'm not ruining it for anyone. Uh, but they can make things disappear by diverting your eyes with these angled mirrors. So sometimes they, ha they hide them in certain places. We were just went to um, Silverwood a couple weeks ago, and we saw a magic show where I was like, oh, he's using a mirror to divert our eyes. They can actually make something that is there but divert your eyes to make it feel like it's, it's not there, an angled mirror. It can reveal what's not there, but it can also hide what, what is there. Uh, the opposite is, is also true, and, and as these angled mirrors, they're all, all around us. Uh, we have them on our cars. Every one of you use them as you're driving here this morning. Uh, the rear view mirrors and the, the side mirrors uh, help reveal uh, otherwise what you wouldn't be able to, to see, like that car racing behind you or the bike that's uh, that's coming up there. They even, uh, in, uh, in the side view mirror of the passenger, they have that little word, the objects in the mirror may appear larger, or larger than they are, smaller than they are. Uh, something. Anyway, there's something going on with those mirrors. But I actually uh, found out it's because in Engineers, you might know this. Uh, it's because it's either concave or convex, I don't know, to broaden your, to broaden your angle so that you can see that there's no blind spots in there. Uh, angled mirrors are, are there. They're all over the place to help reveal what you can't normally see. They're on cars. They're all over the place. Angled mirrors are all around us. Now, in a similar way that an angled mirror will reveal what's not, what you can't see readily or, or maybe not difficult to see around the, the corner of a hallway, uh, in a similar way, God's designed each one of you as an angled mirror. Each one of you is an angled mirror to reflect something to our world. The question we have this morning is, well, what are you reflecting? And to who are you reflecting it to? What, what image is being revealed to the world around us? What image are you reflecting to the world? Well, that brings us back to our text, as we're going to see today in Psalm 115. We're going to see three observations about how God has designed you as an angled mirror to this world. If you're taking notes, here are the, here are the three points. The first one we'll see is that you're made to reflect God to the world. Uh, as God has set up humans as like this angled mirror that reflects him to the, the world around us. Uh, we'll also see that maybe even like a side view mirror when you first get in, that there, there may need to be some adjustments that need to take place. Uh, adjusting the rear view mirror or the side mirror, uh, that you need to adjust a few things in order to be able to reflect that clear. And then the last thing we'll see is that you become like what you worship. You become like what you worship. So let's start. Here's number one. You are made to reflect God. As an angled mirror, you are, each one of us are designed in the image of God to reflect God back to the world. Look at how Psalm 115 starts. It says, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory for the sake of your steadfast love and your faithfulness. Why should the nation say, where is their God? Our God is in the heavens and he does all that he pleases. Let's stop right there. Uh, we can see that a mirror's purpose 
Its main job is to reflect an image that, that it's not to receive the attention of itself. A mirror isn't designed for the purpose of look at me in my mirror. And a mirror is, is made to reflect something. And the psalmist starts off with the cry of an angled mirror. He says, not to us. Don't look at me. We, we want to see your name glorified, your name reflected. He even emphatically says this, not to us, not to us. Don't look at us. We want to be reflecting the image of God to the world, to your name. It's about reflecting that image as an angled mirror of reflecting God to the world around us. So that when people look at us, uh, Christ followers, uh, they, they look at us as a mirror, an angled mirror, and that they should see something different in us. They should see Christ in us. And the psalmist clearly points out two things that I think we should be uh, imaging to the world. He says, steadfast love and faithfulness. So that when people look at Christians, they should see steadfast love and faithfulness. Uh, that word steadfast love uh, is very probably a really well-known Hebrew word, the word hesed. Hesed. It's translated in a number of different uh, ways in different translations because it's hard to capture in English. Hesed is, is something like this uh, loving kindness or loyal love. Uh, I think it's more like this uh, stubborn kindness and love that you just show. Just the stubborn love. I'm going to love you no matter what. I, I am going to be there uh, and show you this kindness and this faithfulness that goes along with it that is just steady, steadily loving. When people look at us, they should see something different reflected in us, reflecting a, a living God out to the world. So the psalmist poses this question then in verse 2, why should the nation say, where is their God? And, and he answers, our God's in heaven. He can do whatever he pleases to do. He can do whatever he wants to do. So it's not that God, God's hiding or uh, he, he's like, I'm not quite sure how I can even do this to people. He can do anything he, he wants. And what he's chosen to do is reflect himself to the world uh, 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 reflect himself through us to the world around us. So why should the nations ask, where is their God? They should see him in, in us. And if they come to us and, and we're just empty mirrors, they're like, where's their, where's their God at? We don't see anything different. I also think the, the image is this. So as an ancient reader would have read this, and they said, where is their God? If you were in uh, the ancient Near East and you went into a temple, at the beginning of that temple or around that temple or centered in that temple would have been some icon or idol or image that they would have placed in there. It would probably have been of wood or stone or maybe even gold or silver. Whatever that image is, you would have gone into the temple and you would have seen it. Ah, I know which God they're worshiping here. Because it's a reflection of some other God they think was out there. It was an image that couldn't move from whatever table or pedestal they put it on, but at least you knew who... It was that couldn't move or couldn't speak. But if you went into a temple, a Jewish temple in Israel, to the God Yahweh, to, to God of creation, God of everything, you'd go into that temple and you would look high and low around every curtain, everything, and you would not see one single image or idol in there. And they would go, where's your God at? But, but if you saw 
the priests that were in there, the priests that were living and moving and speaking and acting and graciously inviting people in and sacrificing for people. If, you're, if you got your eyes off of this little wood thing or something else you're looking for and saw the priests there, you'd say, oh, there's something different about this. This priest who's alive and moves and acts and is loving and kind, there's something different about this place. But if the priest acted just like everybody else, they'd go in, couldn't find an idol, and go, where is their God? But if the priest was acting in reflection of God as an angled mirror, they would say, oh, I see their God. See, God is reflected in living humans, not in things that we create with our hands. It's different than the idols of the nation. Look, look in verse 4. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but do not speak. Eyes, but do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Noses, but they don't smell. Hands, they don't feel. Feet, they don't walk. Are you getting the image of this? And they do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in him. Here's, here's a riddle. What has a mouth but can't speak? What has eyes but can't see? What, what has ears but can't hear, a nose but can't smell, hands but can't feel? Uh, it has feet but can't walk. And in fact, there's not even a sound in their throat. What, what is that? Well, I, and I would say a dead person. You go to a dead person who has eyes, ears, mouth, nose, feet, but he just, he just lays there. It's a, it's, a dead, it's a person who is dead, who has no life in them. People that give their ultimate value and worth to things other than the Lord will find themselves becoming like the very things they're worshiping. If you're, if you're worshiping uh, something that your hands have made, an idol that can't move or speak, you'll, you'll find yourself becoming like that. It, it sucks the life right out of you. The desire that you have that's moving you towards something will actually consume you, and that you would be lost without hope. Now, now we don't have, we wouldn't say we don't have idols today. I mean, we don't have little wood statues somewhere, but I think the battle for idolatry is still raging in each one of us. An idol, this is how I'll kind of define an idol. An idol is anything that demands more and more of you to be satisfied each time you come to it. An idol is something that you go to for satisfaction or enjoyment or meaning, uh, but then when you leave, you feel a little empty, and you go back, and it demands more of you. And more of you, and more of you, until it sucks the life out of you, and you're just you're walking around without hope. It digs a hole in you that needs to be continually filled, and it just digs it deeper and deeper and deeper. An idol drains you of life. But God, God's the giver of life. An idol will promise you something that it will never fulfill or satisfy, but God will be stubbornly loving you and faithful the whole time. So let me ask you, are you doing what you're designed to do? If God has designed you as an angled mirror, are you reflecting a living, loving, stubborn, uh, kind, gracious God to the world around you? When, when people see you, well, what do they see reflected in you? Is it God's love or maybe is it 
Is it hate? Is it bitterness? Is it envy? Is it jealousy? If they followed you around last week and they said, oh, this is the reflections I've seen in you, what would they see? And let me just ask, maybe now's the time that, boy, I think there's some adjusting that needs to happen in my life. I didn't respond like I wanted to in that thing. I went after this thing that I shouldn't have. I need some adjusting to adequately, clearly reflect the Lord. So that brings us to our second point. You may need some adjusting. You know, we're all prone to wander like the psalm, uh, song says that we sing. We're prone to wander. We're prone to look to idols that are all around us, prone to think the hands of what, man, what men have made with their hands to, to worship and, and try and fill our lives with that, and it actually poorly reflects the Lord. Look in verse 9, this call to Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield, their, pro- their protector, the guider. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. The Lord has remembered us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. Let's stop right there again. If you notice, this section is actually a mirror in itself. Uh, It it reflects itself in in two ways. We see... uh, Trust in the Lord, Israel, and then the house of Aaron, and then those who fear the Lord. And he's saying, trust, 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 each one of those. And then, then just after that, we get uh, the Lord's going to bless Israel. The Lord's going to bless Aaron. The Lord's going to bless those who fear the Lord, as it's reflecting itself in those three things. Israel, the house of Aaron, and those who fear the Lord. Uh, let me just make a mention of those three uh, things. Israel, as you probably know, is the house uh, the house from which Abraham came, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's the people, uh, people of God that he's chosen in this nation. Uh, Israel, all of Israel, the, the people group, God's chosen people. And then he goes Aaron, the house of Aaron. Aaron was given a, a priestly job uh, to be in the temple to, to sacrifice and give to the Lord. It's a special uh, class of people. Aaron, the priest in that temple, the ones that were supposed to reflect God. Uh, they were supposed to trust in God, and he would, he would bless them. And then you get to the third group, those who fear the Lord. Now, all through the Scripture, you'll see uh, the, the people that were referred to as fearing the Lord are, are those outside of Israel, outside of Aaron. It's God-fears, uh, people that uh, have come to the Lord mostly from the Gentile nations. They're God-fears. So as he's... he's in, He's calling Israel, the house of Aaron, and, and people who fear the Lord from any nation to trust in the Lord, and then they will receive blessing. This is an invitation. Psalm 115 is an invitation to everyone, Jews, Gentiles, all the nations, trust in the Lord, both small and great. Let me take you back to that night when Jesus was Uh, just finishing the Passover, and he's singing this song. And on Jesus' lips, the song of Psalm 115 is an invitation to everyone, small or great. An invitation that night on Jesus' lips to to the Romans, to the Greeks, to the Jews, to the Americans that would come way later on, to everyone to turn 
to the Lord, to turn to the Lord, to all who would adjust their mirrors and trust in the Lord, that they would receive blessing. Blessing. And so blessing is an interesting word. Uh, we even talked about it rooted connections this morning. What does it mean to be, to be blessed? And we often think of circumstances or, or things we get in return. But I, I think what blessing is, is being in a right relationship with God. No matter what the circumstances are, you can be blessed by trusting in the Lord, by, by looking to Him and you're reflecting God to the world around you. And in that right relationship, and you're, the, angle, the mirror is angled just right so you can see and people can see through you in that you're blessed, no matter what the outcome might be. We're all searching for blessing, but really the key to find blessing in this, in this psalm, at least he presents, is to trust. He says, trust, trust, trust. He will bless, he will bless, he will bless. But we will be blessed because we're trusting in him and we're in right relationship with the Lord. Trust then is like this open-handed, unwavering, tested confidence that God will do what he said he'll do. Let me repeat that. Trust is this open-handed, unwavering, tested confidence that God will do what he said he will do over and over and over again. It's in the trust then that you will receive blessing. You'll receive life. It'll, it'll do something to you. It's where you turn for life and satisfaction and hope, and he will restore the brokenness. When, when we turn to the Lord to trust in Him, uh, you'll see that that's actually the avenue by, by which something happens to this mirror that maybe was cracked or smeared or, or was just the wrong angle. When it's reflecting God correctly, it does something to the mirror as well. Here's our third point. You become like what you worship. You become like what you worship. Look at verse 14. May Yahweh, may the Lord, give you increase, you and your children. I think hearkening back to Abraham. May you be blessed by the Lord, Yahweh, who made heaven and earth. He made it all. The heavens are the Lord's heavens, but the earth he's given to the children of men. But given to the children of men to reflect, to be angled mirrors to reflect the glory of the Lord. Verse 17 says, the dead do not praise the Lord, Yahweh, nor do any who go down into silence. But we, we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore, for all eternity. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The dead don't praise God because they can't speak. There's no life in them. There's no spirit. There's no breath in them. But if you are alive, if you've made a, been a, made alive by the, the Spirit, then, then what comes out of us should be praise. Praise the Lord. From, uh, from this overflow of blessing, then we see how uh, it sparks this life in people who are imaging God correctly so that all of a sudden the person who has received this abundance of blessing, he will bless, he will bless, he will bless. At the end of the psalm, it says, we will bless. We will bless the Lord. Well, we will bless the Lord. Have you ever thought, like, how do we bless the Lord? Like, how do, how do we as created beings bless the infinite, all-powerful God? Doesn't it seem a little, like, oxymoronic? Like, we will bless the Lord? But the psalm says, no, 
You're going to bless the Lord from the overflow of the blessing that he is going to pour in your life if you trust in him and if you image and reflect the living God so that as he blesses you, as this right relationship and he's doing something in you, you'll get to the point where you can't help, but it'll overflow and spill in your life and then you'll be blessing back to God. You can't help it. So we find that in the psalm that our worship then becomes the instrument of our sanctification. Worship is the instrument by which we become something. We become more like the thing we worship. It could be uh, the idols and they just suck life and hope and purpose and meaning out of you. To, to the end, we just like walking dead people that, that can't praise God, that don't have meaning, have lost hope or angry or, or bitter, or we can turn to the Lord and trust in Him over and over again. And as we do that, all of a sudden, the broken mirrors that we have, the Lord ends up healing and fixing. He, he adjusts our, our reflection so that we can reflect Him even more. So here's the call to, to all of us this morning. Oh, oh, you who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. If you're, if you're struggling with anger this morning, and you're like, I just don't, I want to stop being angry. In the moment that you feel those emotions rising, just stop and just have a, a, a praise song on your lips. Even biting your tongue, go, I'll trust in you, Lord. I'll worship you, Lord, and see if it does something to you. If you're, if you're battling some unhealthy desire, there's some idol demanding more and more of your attention, don't try to muscle through it. Don't try to be like, I'm going to be so self-controlled, I'm going to just power through this thing. Uh, instead, turn some praise music on the radio as you're driving and just have, have the words wash over you. Think, think about them to turn your attention and your praise towards the Lord and have that transform you. If you're dealing with grief or despair and it's just gripped your heart, even in those sad moments, just go, praise the Lord. As you're entering a battle or a struggle, just say hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Because what you worship, you become like. So if you turn to the Lord in your hurt and your jealousy, you'll be, you'll be changed. You'll, you'll see yourself being changed. Uh, from, from one degree of glory, it says in the Bible, to another. From one degree of glory to another as we become like what we worship. To finally, in this process of sanctification, that we'll get to the end and we'll see God face to face and in that moment we become like Him. Second uh, Corinthians 3.18 says this, And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. As we worship the Lord, He does something to us. He transforms us. He changes us. So that what we worship becomes the instrument of our sanctification to become more like Christ. And each one of you, it doesn't matter what your background is, has been made and designed by God to be an angled mirror to reflect something to the world. And let me just say, if you feel like a failure, join the club. We've all failed in many ways. We've all reflected images that we shouldn't have. To our children, to those around us, we're like, oh, I messed up. I was not facing the right thing 
this time. We've gotten hurt and we're broken and we're cracked. And then we reflect this disjointed, shattered kind of image of God. But here's the good news. You are not the ultimate answer. It's not about the mirror. It's about the image that it's reflecting. And there is one who came who reflected the Father perfectly. And as broken mirrors, we just reflect the one who reflects the Father, who who came and brought healing and purpose and salvation to all of us. Colossians 1.15 says this. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. He's the perfect angled mirror to reflect God to the world around us. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on heaven or whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. We'll stop right there. Our hope is not in how well we reflect him. Although that's our design and purpose. God's made us as angle mirrors to reflect the Lord. But it's not about us. It's about the person Jesus who came to heal us, to cleanse us, to restore us from one degree of glory to another, that he may sanctify us. That in the end, when we see him with unveiled faces, we will become just like him. Well, our job, church, is to simply reflect who he is to the rest of the world around us be angled mirrors. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. And during that time, uh, I think that's, you've just heard it, but I think that's the time that you reflect God to the world, to, to allow him to adjust your mirror and go, you know, this just needs to be adjusted a little bit. The places where you've been hurt in the past, maybe even the the church or, or other Christians have hurt you. The, worshiping the Lord is the instrument which he can, he can bring healing to that. That he can move and soften your heart. So I'll invite the worship team to come back up and we'll worship together as a church and reflect him to the world around us. Let's pray. Lord, we, we all admit that, um, that we, we've all failed in many ways. But Lord, your stubborn love and grace and faithfulness calls us back over and over again. Calls us back to to healing and to redemption and to restoration. So that as we come even and gather and listen to your word proclaimed from uh, the Psalms, that it would be doing something in our hearts to readjust uh, our hearts so that we could... Uh, more clearly reflect you to the world around us. And Lord, I I just pray, if anyone's here this morning and they don't know you, and they're looking for meaning and purpose in their life, that that they wouldn't wouldn't think the answer is to clean up your mirror really good and reflect something really poor, but it would be to simply return to you, the God who loves them and has given his life for them, to be crucified, and by his blood, We are purified and forgiven. 
and through his resurrection we are made alive and lord we worship you with our hearts and minds and souls right now in jesus name we pray amen thank you for joining us for this message from hollyview church we invite you to join us in person for our worship service every sunday morning at 10 30. You can find us on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off of Highway 212, between Boring and Damascus, Oregon, or find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Together, we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word to share God's grace and truth. Again, whether online or in person, thank you for joining us here at Hollyview Church.